Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm going to try to give everyone a few moments to come in, although many of us are waiting over here on the side. But good morning. Welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. We are so glad to have you here this morning. I know many of you are joining us online today from home, so welcome. We are glad you're here uh, joining us via our live stream this morning. Uh, We're going to start out this morning as we have done each Sunday during Advent with our candle reading. I'm going to ask Bo to come and read, and this is going to be a responsive reading once again, and so just be uh, prepared to follow along this morning. Sometimes we forget that the incarnate God took on all that it means to be human. The love of God has come for us wherever we are. Jesus didn't flee from complicated feelings or situations. Instead, he entered into them. He doesn't flee from us either. He seeks to embrace us in the midst of our messiness. We are the beloved of God, no matter what. The story of Christmas reminds us that there is no distance that God wouldn't travel to be with us. The love of God seeks us out where we are. God God desires desires to be be with with us. us. Because we are loved, we are reminded to love the people in our world. Just as Christ loved us in the midst of our mess, we are to love others where they are. May we love others where they are, just as we have been loved. Today, we light the fourth Advent candle, the candle of love. Love is at the heart of the Christmas story. Love motivated God to give up heaven for humanity, to become Emmanuel, God with us. Love draws God near to us even now, even in the midst of our mess. Love motivates us to care for our world around us. We are the beloved of God, and we are called to be the community of love toward those around us. We are loved by God in the midst of our mess, and we are to be a community of love to the world around us. God of love, we sometimes forget that you came to earth for us. We sanitize the image of your coming, and we feel like we aren't worthy of the love of God. But you don't shy away from the messy circumstances. Instead, you entered right into the middle of them. Remind us that there is no distance you wouldn't go because of your great love for us.
I say them, but that's also me, so thank you. All right, I'm going to read this call to worship this morning. You guys can stand with us as we sing. I'm going to turn this light off, set the mood a little bit. This is a sacred space that we come in to worship God this morning, amen. We're reading from 1 John chapter 4. Verses 9 through 10. This is, uh, we light, we lit the candle of love this week. So I thought there could be a more appropriate passage than this one. 
It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. That is the love of God. We celebrate that this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs implore. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. haven't sang it since last year at Advent, so we'll see if you guys remember it. If you don't, feel free to just enjoy these really good words. This is all about Christmas time, Jesus coming. We're celebrating that this morning, and just sing along if you can, but if not, just worship in your hearts. Amen? Let's do it. the star of Bethlehem, the word of God has become flesh, and unto 
We have another special song for you guys. It's a week of music. Dave and Belinda are going to do a special. So just enjoy that. Amen. Sleeping in a manger tonight 
your hand what you had missed while you were sleeping. For God became a man and stepped into your world today. Oh, Bethlehem, you will go down in history as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping while you were sleeping Mary shivers in the cold trying to keep the Savior warm of America looks like another silent night as we're sung to sleep by philosophies that save the trees and kill the children while we're lying in the dark there's a shout heard across the eastern sky. For the bridegroom has returned and his carriage bride away in the night, in the night. America, what will we miss while we are sleeping? Jesus come again and leave us slumbering where we lay. America, will we go down in history as a nation with no room for its king? Will we be sleeping? Will we be sleeping? States of America looks like another silent night and thank you guys well, as we transition to a time of prayer, I um, just want to invite you all to 
just bow your heads and let you know that you are welcome to come forward and pray at these altars if you need to. Um, But let's just spend some moments in prayer this morning. God, we are just so grateful for this day. We are grateful, Lord, that we are able to gather here together this morning. God, we are thankful to celebrate this season and all of the joy that it brings. God, we just thank you for the many ways that we've already seen you at work in this place. Today, God, we just, I thank you that we see you in the simplicity of children playing bells. God, there is just something so sweet and and simple and joyful, and we are able to see you in that, God. God, I thank you that as as voices join together as one to create a beautiful melody, God, you are present. God, you are in the midst of those of that music, as our voices come together, God, we are reminded that we come together because of you. And God, we thank you for the beauty that we get to enjoy and partake in when we join our voices together. And God, in a, in a, in a special about Bethlehem, God, we are just reminded of the beautiful ways in which you came and made your dwelling among us. And God, as we explore that truth today, we are reminded of the incredible gift that you have given us in yourself. In coming, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful. God, we have acknowledged each week during the season of Advent that we do gather together and we celebrate in joyful song. But God, we are reminded that there are those in our midst who struggle to find joy. God, we just pray that you would draw near to those who are struggling to find joy today. God, we know there are many reasons in which we struggle to find joy But God, you are gracious. And as as we sang earlier, God, the good news is for the hurting and the broken. And so for those who, on the Sunday before Christmas, who say that they don't have joy or that they can't have joy or find joy, God, there's no shame in that. Because God, we are reminded that with this good news is that you Come for those who are vulnerable and who are hurting and broken. And God, we are here today. We are here. There are some here hurting and broken. God, I know that so many families have been struck with with sickness. And Lord, that's overwhelming and it's frustrating and it makes us sad because we miss out on the good things that this season brings. And so I just pray this morning that you would be with those who are not able to be here today because of sickness. 
God, even though they are disappointed that they weren't able to be here, God, would you just meet them in a special way right where they are? Would you just fill their hearts with joy? God, we just pray that you would draw near to those who are are sick and in need of healing today. God, we remember Gina and Ralph and their family, and we just pray that you would be with them today. Be with Gina, Lord, as she as she is going to, the next few weeks are just going to be overwhelming. God, we just pray that you would draw near to her. Give her a supernatural strength. God, I pray that as, as she just has to rest over these next several weeks, I pray that she would rest in your peace and in your joy and in your strength. God, I pray that you would somehow bring good in the midst of these circumstances for the Allen family, Lord. God, when their family gathers together, I pray that there would still be a great sense of, of joy and celebration, even in the midst of troubling circumstances. God, we just pray that in the days ahead, as Gina continues to heal, we just pray, God, that that the pain would be minimal, as minimal as possible, God. We just pray that you would supernaturally touch her, Lord. Give her body strength and rest and healing. God, we are reminded in times like these that you are who sustains us. God, you sustain us, and we are thankful. God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would reveal the truth of your word to us this morning. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts. And as we talk about your love, as we look at this one simple but profound aspect of your love, God, would you just help us to experience that love in our own hearts today? Holy Spirit, we invite you here into this place. Would you make your presence known amongst us? Lord Jesus, we worship you. We worship you through the reading of your word and the teaching of your word this morning. May it be a blessing and may it be anointed. And we pray all of this in the name of God our Father, in the name of Jesus our Savior, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you all to stand with me as we read our week four Advent reading today. This passage is from Matthew chapter one, and we're going to be reading verses 18 through 25. This is the word of the Lord from the gospel writer, Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he saves his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God today. Are you thankful? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, as we have mentioned several times, this is the last Sunday of Advent. Uh, We, of course, will be gathering next week on Christmas Sunday, but that's Christmas Sunday, and that's a whole new season, but we are still in the final week of Advent. But this is that time in the season where we begin to transition from a place of longing and waiting and hoping. We begin to transition from that to a place of where we are looking for the nativity, Right? We are beginning to look for the shepherds in the field who are keeping watch of their flocks. We are expecting stories of innkeepers with stables that are full of, of soft, sweet-smelling hay. We are expecting a very pregnant Mary who is on the brink of delivering her child. We've come to anticipate all of this beauty and all of this wonder. It's what brings us those cozy, nostalgic Christmas feelings, right? We've talked a lot about that, how we love the cozy Christmas story. And and for many of you who are still new to the rhythms of Advent, you have really been looking forward to the cozy Christmas story. You're ready to move past all of these texts that talk about judgment and, and waiting and hurting and longing and pain, and you're just ready to get to the cozy story. And that's all fine and well. We love the Christmas story. It's comforting, it's familiar, it's beautiful. And yet, we can't help but wonder if the familiarity of the story of Jesus' birth somewhat sanitizes it, kind of removing the humanity from it. We talked about this in the Advent reading. If you notice, the Advent reading is going to highlight many of the things that we're going to talk about today from this passage. It's really easy to focus on the Christmas story and think about that moment as it is or as it was 2,000 years later, right? And it's easy to remove ourselves from the original context and really imagining the messiness that must have been involved up until the point of where we read the Christmas story. Some of the messy aspects of the Christmas story begin in Matthew chapter one, which we of course didn't read this morning, but if you wanted to go back and read and just flip through Matthew chapter one, you're quickly reminded of of how this story is not so sanitized, right? We are given this lineage of Jesus. Matthew goes through the lineage that's important to Matthew's audience, He is respectful of his audience, understanding that they're going to want the details. They're going to want to understand what is happening and how it connects to prophecy. And so he goes through this lineage, and Jesus is indeed born into the lineage of King David, as was prophesied. But this lineage is full of messy people, including King David, if we're honest. 
This lineage is a messy lineage. It's not so pristine and neat and tidy. Matthew highlights that in his, in his lineage, in his listing in chapter one. Not only does he start with the mentioning of women, right? This was not normal. This was countercultural for Matthew to mention women in a lineage. And not only does he mention women, but he mentions questionable women. You would think that this is the kind of thing you would want to cover up, right? Like when you're talking about the birth of a king, the birth of a savior, wouldn't it be tempting to just want to cover up the, the past, the history? Wouldn't it be tempting to want to just not mention some of those questionable characters, those questionable women? But Matthew dives right into it. Among those listed in Matthew chapter 1 is Tamar, who has a very messy story, right? A messy story that involves an incest scandal with Judah. We have the the mentioning of Rahab. And listen, our children weren't originally going to be with us today, but because of all the sickness, they are. And so we won't go into the details. But I think most of you are likely familiar with Rahab and what she was known as, right? We have the story of Rahab. We have Ruth mentioned in the lineage, and and that might not seem too odd or off-putting at first, but Ruth was a Moabite, and some Jewish people thought that that was as bad as what Rahab was, right? And in some minds, they were the same. A Moabite not looked too well upon. We have Bathsheba mentioned in the lineage who was trapped in a messy situation thanks to some, some missteps on King David's part, trying to be careful with my words here so we don't get too messy. But it was a messy situation. She becomes pregnant, and talk about a messy situation, right? Because of, of King David's failure and sin, Bathsheba is left with this unplanned pregnancy, and it just continues to get worse and messier from there. And then we have Mary, who we totally expect to be mentioned in the lineage, but Mary at this point of our story is a single pregnant woman who is not yet married. And we're supposed to believe that she is, is, has become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Friends, this is messy. You need to know that, that the story behind Jesus' birth is messy. It would have been messy. And when people hear of this lineage and when they think about the history and when they look at the story of Mary and Joseph, they see mess. It's messy. And as we move into Matthew chapter 2, and again, keep in mind, we're reading these things from start to finish after they've happened over 2,000 years later. And so in reading it, sometimes the messiness is removed, right? It's sanitized. It's more sanitized. We just skip straight to the good and warm and cozy parts. But in this story, you have a woman who who is betrothed, and she's supposed to be a virgin, and she ends up pregnant, And her fiance, her soon-to-be husband, finds out in what we assume to be a really awkward way. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with some of these parts of the story, with some of these aspects, but I think they're worth highlighting again. It's worth remembering again, reminding you again that engagements in the first century were not the same as they are today. 
right? A, a betrothal was a contract between families, which was the cultural norm at this time. And typically during this time, where they are betrothed to each other, they are contractually obligated to one another, but they didn't yet live together. The husband would go and build the house. He was working hard on the home for the family, and the, the wife, the woman, was still living with her family. And so Joseph is, is probably excitedly preparing for their future. And even though the betrothed wife did not live with her husband until their marriage was finalized, it was expected that both people would live infidelity to one another already, right? That was expected during an engagement. And because, as I said, betrothals were contractual, ending one required a certificate of divorce, which you likely already know. And a woman who was unfaithful during an engagement, a woman who was unfaithful, this was certainly grounds for receiving a a divorce certificate, but also she was she was on dangerous ground for being stoned, according to the law. And Mary, in this situation, would have been viewed as an unfaithful woman, without question. You have to remember, there was not a wide frame of reference to believe in or understand this conception as divine, right? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's not a frame of reference for that for many people at this point. And we don't know how Joseph found out about Mary, right? We kind of imagine that part. We, we kind of use our imagination to wonder how could that have all played out? Maybe she told him. She was the one who the angel spoke to first, as we talked about last year. We looked at Mary last year in the Christmas story, and, and maybe she told Joseph, but maybe he found out from someone else. Maybe people started to notice her pregnant belly, and so rumors started, and maybe that's how he found out. My kids really like watching the movie called The Star, and in that movie, Joseph just looks up one day, and he's like, uh, Mary, let's go talk. I think we need to go talk about something, right? We don't know exactly, but what we can be assured of is that Joseph would have been devastated. Can you imagine Regardless of how he found out, he would have been devastated. Here he is, working hard to prepare their lives for their lives. He's building them a home. He's already excitedly preparing for their future, and he finds out this news, and he must have been crushed. He must have been devastated. And it's at this point that I think we really ought to consider how profound it is that he made the decision to divorce her quietly. It would have been fully and completely appropriate for him. In fact, he was obligated to protect his own reputation and his own family by making it known that he did not have any part in this, that Mary has betrayed him, that it's Mary. She's the reason that they're gonna have to go their separate ways. He, he, was, he had grounds for letting everyone know what has happened, and he was obligated to do so to protect himself, to look out for himself. And yet, before he even knows what's going on, he makes the decision to quietly divorce her. It was an incredibly compassionate decision on the part of Joseph. But then as we read, the angel or the messenger 
comes to Joseph. And he's filled in, and he's, he explains to him what is happening, that Mary has not been unfaithful, that this child is indeed to be born of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph married Mary, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't suddenly become less messy at that point, right? Like for Joseph, it's, he's resolved with Mary, but it only continues to unfold from there because even as they come together, we have to know that people would still wonder, that there would still be gossiping happening in the community, right? Mary's still pregnant, and so at this point, it's, it's easy to believe that they would have looked at Joseph and thought, oh, okay, he's the one that broke the covenant. He's the one who was unfaithful, right? He didn't wait until their marriage was finalized. We know he married Mary, but we have to imagine that Joseph still likely took on a bit of, of shame as he chose to marry her anyway. Do you see all of the messy facets of this story? Do you see how messy this Christmas story is? And yet we ought to recognize that Joseph trusted God in a significant and life-altering way. And I think at this point, we could all learn a thing or two from Joseph's humble submission to the Lord and his trust in the Lord during this unplanned pregnancy. With his obedience, Joseph was entrusting his and his family's entire reputation to God. Joseph's faith in this moment was bigger than his fear. His love for his wife was bigger than his fear. His love and trust for God was bigger than the fear of what his community might do to him and to his reputation. We imagine that surely, in one way or another, this time would have been difficult and challenging for both Mary and Joseph. And it's with all of this in mind that we acknowledge the complexities of the Christmas story. Yes, listen, don't get me wrong. The Christmas story is divine. It is spirit-led and spirit-filled. It is holy. We can recognize these aspects of the Christmas story, but we can also recognize that the characters in this story are not so unapproachable, are they? We can relate to these characters. We can find ourselves in the lives of these characters. Now, sure, divine, holy, spirit-anointed birth, not so relatable, right? Like, we recognize that. That's not relatable for any of us that I'm aware of. But the rest of this story, the messy dynamics that are involved with the families, with the relationships, with the communities, friends, that's relatable. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but relationships are messy. Families are, are messy. Communities are messy. The, the life of the church is messy. We are very well aware of the messy aspects of doing life with other humans. And this story is filled with the messy past and the messy present of these people. The incarnation is about God entering into humanity, which was incredibly messy. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, God incarnate, enters into the world full of ordinary, messy human beings with ordinary and messy human struggles. 
And while the Christmas story is not often painted in such a way, this was not a pristine family without issues, right? This is a messy story. We can certainly focus on the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph, right? Mary and Joseph were faithful. And we can skip straight to the end and just think about their faithfulness. But what we often do in simply just thinking about how faithful they were is removing the humanity from the story and and not recognizing that their faithfulness meant that their lives were going to be messy, that their relationships were, there were going to be some really awkward conversations around the dinner table, right? And there were going to be those people who would choose not to believe what is happening, Just because Mary and Joseph were faithful doesn't mean we ignore the messy aspects of the story that very much exist. Mary and Joseph's path would not have been easy. And their lives were not free of burden and pain. Even though hindsight allows us to see them as just these two faithful people who were faithful to God. The incarnation, church, is is much more than just Jesus being born into a stable rather than a palace. It is certainly that, and we're going to look at those aspects next week. I hope you can join us next week. Did you know that Christmas Sunday is not going to come around again for 11 more years? My children are going to be grown adults by the the next time Christmas falls on a Sunday. We're going to be here with jammies and messy hair, and we're going to enjoy every minute of it because the next time that happens, I can't even go there. (laughs) But I hope you will come, and next week we're going to look at this part of the story where, yes, what Jesus being born in a stable means for us, but the incarnation, the story of Jesus' birth is so much more than that. It's about proximity and experience and God entering into the messiness of human relationships. Jesus, God incarnate, took on humanity in all its fullness, in all its messiness from day one, including the difficult, messy family dynamics and gossiping community members. Friends, what that should tell us, what's the point of all of this? That tells us that that over 2,000 years later, The love of God does not run from our humanity or our messes, but instead he enters into them, right? We can be assured of this. We can be assured that we don't have to hide the messy parts of ourselves and our lives from God because God from day one has said, that's okay, I'm gonna step into it with you. I'm not gonna run from it. I'm not afraid of it. You don't have to be ashamed of it. I'm gonna step into your mess and I'm going to ignite it with my divine love. We can confidently trust that if God willingly entered into a complicated family dynamic in the incarnation, then our messy situations and our messy dynamics are not too much for God. There is no distance that God would not travel to illustrate his love for humanity. Friends, this is real love. There is no other kind of love on earth that matches the love of God that he has for his people. You won't find it anywhere else. 
Thankfully, I'm so thankful that I can experience parts of God's love in my relationships, right? But there is not a love that can match the kind of love that we see in the Christmas story. This is real love. This is the overwhelming, we talk about it all the time, this overwhelming, seemingly reckless and yet awe-inspiring love of God that is not easily shaken or easily spooked. It's a love that can withstand life's biggest messes and our darkest moments. It's a love that is here to stay regardless of how resistant and stubborn you are. It's a love that can melt even the hardest heart. It's a love that traded the glory and splendor of heaven for the pain and rejection of the world. It's a love that did not despise the shame of the cross, but took it on in our place. It's a love that took on flesh and all of the painful aspects of doing so. It's a love that knows no boundaries, a love that knows no limits, a love that knows no measures. It's a love that is given abundantly and given graciously. It's a love that we are invited to experience, and it's the love we are compelled to demonstrate to others. This is the incredible love of God, and it's here for you. And it's worth all of our praise. It's worth our lives. As we close today, you know, it's hard to put this kind of love into words, right? Like even when it's your job to find words to say, when you're trying to describe the love of God, you just feel frustrated because you're like, I can't. I can't fully describe it. I'm not worthy to even stand here and tell of it. Like, I'm truly not. I'm very uncomfortable right now because this is the love that I experience on a daily basis when I am well aware that I have done nothing to earn it and that I fail to demonstrate this kind of love in a lot of ways. But there's, there's a line of an old hymn that says the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. Friends, the Advent story, the story of hope and anticipation is ultimately bathed in this love of God. And we can trust God because God loves us and God has revealed the depths of his love for us. Do you see that? It's easy to question God and it's easy to to put God on trial. It's easy to feel angry and frustrated with God and I've been there too. I've been there. But we can trust in God's love because in the story of Jesus' birth, in the story of the incarnation, God has revealed the depths of his love in incredible ways to say the very least because, again, it's too great for words. Friends, I want you to know that we are profoundly loved just as we are in our mess In our muck, we are profoundly loved. You are profoundly loved by the God 
of creation, the God of the universe, the God of the heavens, who traded it all and stepped in to do this messy life with us, alongside of us. We are loved by God. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And in just a few moments, we're going to just continue reflecting on this love. And I just want to remind you that no matter the mess you may find yourself in today, maybe it's a mess of your making, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's a mess from someone else's making. Whatever your mess is, Maybe for some of you, it's a mess where, where you're trying to be faithful to God, but the people in your life don't yet see the full picture. I've been there too. And that's really hard and it's really messy, but maybe that's where you find yourself, regardless of, of what kind of mess you may find yourself in today. What you need to know is that God is here and that God is present in the midst of all of it. And he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's not leaving. He's not going to be spooked because of your mess. And on this final Sunday of Advent, as we prepare for the celebration of Christmas, we can look ahead in confidence knowing that we are loved, truly and profoundly loved by God. The message the church needs to be reminded of is that we are compelled to go and to share this love with the world because we have received this kind of love. As we read in the Advent candle readings, we are to go. We are compelled. We have to, right? We cannot help it. We have to. We are compelled to go and to love the people of the world in the midst of their mess because we've been loved in the midst of ours. No matter where you are, what lies ahead, the heart of the message today is this. For God so loved the world that he sent his son into our messes so that we might know and be known by him. Can we take a moment to just thank him for this love? God, as we acknowledged moments ago, there really truly are no words. There are no words to describe your love for us. It's something that is so beautifully and mysteriously felt and experienced and yet cannot be explained or described fully. God, we just pause and as we sing in just a moment, we, we just reflect and give you praise because of this gift of yourself, of your love that we've been given that continues to be revealed and experienced in powerful ways. God, we open up our hearts to glorify and to praise you today. We thank you for this love. Amen. Amen. You can stand if you're able, if you'd like to. We have an opportunity to respond to that love this morning. Amen. Let's not waste it. Let's just have a quiet moment in God's presence as we reflect because we're so blessed by this love. Amen.
deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to Mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a just thank you once again for your love that has 
met us here in this place once again. God, we just pray that even though sometimes we are resistant, even, even though sometimes we fail to demonstrate this kind of love to others, God, we pray and we plead that you would never stop meeting us with this overwhelming, relentless love, that it would always chase us down and find us and again make us new. God, may we just continue to be overwhelmed and humbled by this love. We look forward to intentionally sharing that love this final week of Advent. We look forward to continuing to celebrate this love which we've been given. And God, we just look forward to celebrating again the aspects of your love as seen in the Christmas story as we celebrate the season of Christmas. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this real love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we just have a few quick announcements before we dismiss you this morning. Um, As I said earlier, we will be here next week at 1030. Uh, The heat will be on. The coffee will be going. The doors will be open. Uh, We will look forward to just gathering together. The service won't look exactly like a typical service. It'll be a little shorter and sweeter and simpler. Uh, But I do pray that, that in the midst of that simplicity, that it just be a time of celebration with our church family on the day or the day that is recognized as the day of our Savior's birth, right? It'll be a beautiful day. So just remember 1030, no Sunday school next week. Uh, We will not be gathering on Christmas Eve um, that day on Christmas Eve, but um, we also want to let you know that the Good Samaritan breakfast is happening on Christmas Eve. Um, That's happening at Good Samaritan in Washington Park. If you are interested in signing up to volunteer or to bring items, to donate items, I believe there are still slots on that list. Uh, There is a link out in the foyer, a QR code that you can scan to uh, see what's left on that list. And then finally, um, this was kind of a somewhat of a last minute decision made this past week. We We recognize that with Christmas being on a Sunday, that means New Year's Day is on a Sunday. And because you guys will probably be up all night partying on Christmas Eve, we thought we will be extra kind and we'll go ahead and cancel Sunday school that day too, right? Because the Sunday school teachers probably party harder than anyone else. And so we're going to give them that break, that day off, and just come at 1030 again on New Year's Day, okay? So we just want to let you know, no Sunday school on January 1st. And I think I'm supposed to turn it over to Denise. And Tarek. Oh, never mind. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're really most interested in what Tarek might want to say. Well, I'm going to have Karen come on up, but you can just stay right over here by Nikki because I need you guys anyway. Um, So um, on behalf of the board, um, there are a few people we want to say thank you to, especially this time of year. Um, In November, we recognize a lot of our volunteers, certainly not everyone, but we also have some staff that we dearly appreciate. Um, And these are just, where's Bo? He's back there. I won't make you come up here. You can stay there. All right. No problem. I love you too. (laughs) All right. So um, Karen does so much, so much much for our church. Guys, these ladies and Bo back there, 
if ever there was a, a cornerstone outside of Jesus Christ, um, these people really hold our church together and do so much. Um, so we have a card and a gift for each of them. Karen, Nikki, and Pastor Nicole and Pastor Bo. Thank you. Um, so give them your thanks. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. Even more than that, take a minute to say thank you to them um, for what they do. Um, I don't have any words. This was a beautiful service. So thank thank you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you all very much. Um, Speaking of thank yous, I want to say thank you to Sandy. Can we just give Sandy a a round of applause? Um, I'm just blown away by the fact that not only was she so carefully coordinating practices and all the moving parts of a Christmas special for a choir, but on top of that, at the same time, she was working with the kids faithfully every week so that they could share that beautiful gift with us this morning. It was beautiful. And then we're still working. We still have more coming on Epiphany Sunday. So Sandy, truly, thank you so very much. We appreciate you and all that hard work that went into that. So thank you. All right, at this time, I'm going to invite you all to stand, and I will share a benediction before we leave today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are deeply and profoundly loved. I pray that you go in the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is going to be walking with you this week through the joy and the celebrating or through the mess and the dysfunction. May you celebrate that love, may you rest in that love, and may you share that love with those around you who desperately need it this week. You are dismissed. Have a great day.